0: But you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So, thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's gonna support. We appreciate it. What are you doing for the holidays, Cord? They're coming up. The We're holidays to your family
1: are upon us, yes. Uh, we are gonna be in Laramie, my hometown to spend Christmas with my parents and my brothers and the whole Czar's clan, which is, it's been a while. I mean, we've had times when we're all together, but we actually haven't spent Christmas all together in quite a while, so that'll be exciting. I
0: i feel like you guys are, are close, right? We are close. Like, you're all, like, pretty tight.
1: Yeah, we're tight in, yeah. like, both a really beautiful and a very explosive way at times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so interesting. i It's funny, like, like I see that with uh i see that with my boys Mm -hmm. you know they are they're magical to watch right now like it truly is like whether it's the things we do outdoors whether it's like the raft trips or whether it's just like you know sometimes i'll be like doing dishes and look out the window and and we had this garden that we planted for a while that just stopped working for whatever reason (laughs) and now it is the truck digging zone
1: yes (laughs) complete with
0: like shovels yes it's amazing and i'll just see them out there and they can spend four hours together just in unison and and i wonder if it'll last
1: well yeah i feel like sibling bonds are really special and powerful in ways that are kind of hard to explain like the click and clack brothers on NPR. I, I could listen to them for hours and I don't even, I'm not interested in cars in any way, but like just hearing them riff off of each other and crack up at each other's jokes. Like you just, it really puts a smile on your face yeah. or like Fred and George Weasley by far favorite characters in all of Harry Potter. Like any scene that they're in, I yeah. want to reread and like even even famous athletes like you think about venus and serena williams and like there's there's something about their
0: they're incredible yeah Yeah.
1: like their shared bond and like their shared childhood that pushed them to become what they were and neither neither of them i don't think i mean i don't know that much about their lives but i think they are in large part who they are because they're sisters and because they played tennis together their whole lives so Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like we love examples of siblings that are in lockstep like that um And like just seeing a bond that brings out the best in in you or the worst in you, like whatever it is, it's pure. And I think maybe we all have an ideal of what our sibling relationships can look like. Those of us that have siblings and and we gravitate towards examples of those in our lives or in books. Because there is something powerful about that bond, like even more powerful than a close friendship. But I don't know how common it is that we have a sibling that we can turn to and and say, you're also my best friend in the whole world. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, families, it's complicated. There, there's history and expectations and baggage and, and a lot of love, which, which doesn't always make friendship easy. Well, if you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries for the past six years, you've heard a lot about my family. I wrote a short years ago about the suffrage marches my dad used to take us on as kids. I wrote a feature about my mom's epic middle school bike trip from Alaska to California with her science teacher. And although their voices have made a cameo appearance on the diaries, today I want to introduce you to my brothers.
0: Get ready. Buckle up, because this is a sibling pair you'll never forget. I'm Fitz Cahal.
1: I'm Cordelia Zars.
0: You're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.
2: Okay, this is Levin, he's in his late 30, and...
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is going to take days.
2: (laughs) This is Tilden, he's somewhere around 25. He's been a semi-avid biker for the last five years. And uh, on and on, off again, cut, (laughs) an on and off again relationship with bikes.
1: They're five years apart, Levin's older. They live two doors down from each other in Golden, Colorado, and can always be found together, most often on their mountain bikes. That is, if you can catch them. They're gnarly fast, fearless, and graceful. And they're always chugging half a mile ahead of you on the trail, shit-talking as you, well, I'll just say I, wheeze my way up the hill behind them. If I do catch them, they're probably demoing some insane line off the side of the trail, up stumps and across boulders I wouldn't even walk on. (laughs) (laughs) And just laughing raucously the entire time. This is Tilden.
2: I guess I've always sort of followed Levin's lines on like everything. Even when we were kids scrambling around in the rocks and the mountains or anything like that, I would always follow them. But since I was littler, I could never quite do them. And so then I'd find like other ways around. And that sort of is still the same same way of how we ride. Like I would say I follow quite a bit more, but I really enjoy that because then I can see what lines he takes and then what lines I'll take. It's just super fun because it's like the it's almost like a reflection of who we are outside of biking that comes through in just the riding.
1: And it's true. Watching these two ride, you get a sense of who they are just by following their movements through terrain. Which I guess is what we can all strive for as athletes, that our craft becomes a creative means for expressing our personality. But with Levin and Tilden it's not just a performance of two individual athletes expressing themselves. Their styles have formed around each other. It's a duet. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh but they'll describe their synchronicity much more bluntly.
2: So, Levin's style has always is his whole idea probably style, life, motto, everything sort of all bundled into one is more speed helps everything. And so w- w- the way Eleven rides is just, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount his balance or his skill or anything like that, but he just hits everything really fast. And it works. No, and not with grace. Buddy, oh my God. <laughs> A decade of trying done in one comment. <laughs> Tilden's style is, uh, well, he's really good at following, which has sort of led him down the path of pure plowing. And he just smash into things, mostly following me and my terrible lines of smashing things. I feel like just judging by... Or wheels roundnesses because uh Tilden's wheels shaped about like an egg yeah levin's definitely more graceful and lands more smoothly and i didn't really realize that to that extent until i've watched some videos back and you see mine and there's not enough camera stabilization in the world to <laughs> Smooth out the jars, and then you watch Levin's, and it's like an airplane landing just beautifully. And I'm like, oh, good God.
1: To me, it's all incredible. A total tour de force in strength, balance, and execution. They make it sound like they're just chundering through the woods, but their agility is honestly mind boggling. For example, a few summers ago, my dad, Levin, and I biked up Mount Evans, a 14,000 foot peak outside of Denver. And as I pedaled as hard as I could on my road bike, Levin kept pace with me on his full-suspension mountain bike, riding uphill in a wheelie. On a casual ride around the park, Tilden will get bored and take a creative line, hopping up onto picnic tables from a standstill and then hopping down, like his bike is a freaking pogo stick. And somehow their bodies work together in space, chasing each other around corners launching off jumps weaving in and out of trees in perfect rhythm as if on their bikes they're finishing each other's sentences just as much as they do in conversation yeah. right right, okay. that's nice yeah. Yeah. Right,
2: okay, boy that's my boy, that's all boy. That's a tired rim, Jeremy Crane. Oh, dude, I'm smoked.
1: Well, this bond didn't come from nowhere. It's been a lifetime in the making.
2: Well, my earliest memory was without, but it was with our dad. And Reed had got me this, like, Five speed bike that he swore up and down was just a mountain slayer and he <laughs> drug me up this death trail in Lake Tahoe and he was so proud of himself because he's ramming up this stuff and I'm like a mile behind bike chains off like I can't get up a single hill it's like the deepest sand of all time I swore I would never mountain bike again after that ride Straight up, <laughs> it was terrible.
1: We call our parents by their names. Our dad is Reed.
2: What I remember first is mountain biking. Well, it's not really mountain biking. It was just road biking on a dirt road on I'd say a very similar five speed bike that was completely hammered. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we would ride from our cabin over to see Callum and Penny and Reed convinced us for years that it was only five miles when in reality it's eight (laughs) so he's off by nearly half (laughs) and every time that we would go over there regardless of what the weather app ever said it would rain and so then we'd have a horrible bike over battling the rocks and the washboard and all the dust and then be an even worse ride on the way back in the mud pushing the bikes. And Reed came up with a couple of real clever deals like hooking bungee cords to me so I could keep up and things like that, but I also was not a huge fan of biking.
1: Those kind of trudges made Levin and Tilden take biking into their own hands. Together, they started setting up obstacle courses for themselves in the yard. Two by fours balanced on fence posts, cinder block jumps, ramps, anything that added some thrill to the sport. At our cabin in northwest Colorado, somehow their Bridge of Terror, a sketchily built bridge connecting two rock slabs, is still standing today. A relic of the hours they spent as kids, honing their balance, egging each other over bigger and bigger hurdles and hoisting each other up after a fall.
2: We've got a lot of shared experiences, and a lot of them as kids were pretty difficult or, like, real challenging. Like, we get stuck out in a snowstorm or something. And every time, I always felt as though both Reed and Levin, they would both have my back no matter what. And so I've got a real level of trust that, like, I can push myself potentially harder or further than I would normally because I've no 11's got my back with whatever it is all the time.
1: And with that trust came risk. When we were about 12, 10, and 7, our parents bought a pair of family tandems. We rode those every summer on the Tour de Wyoming, a week long 500 mile ride around the state. I rode with my dad. My mom pedaled a solo road bike, and Levin and Tilden cranked out the miles as a team.
2: We were going down uh, oh, that pass off the Bighorns, I think wow. into like 10 sleep or something. Yeah. And while our father wasn't big into speed, he liked to get up to about 40, but I was, I was the captain of this tandem, and I was dead set on getting her up to 60 or 70. And so both Tilden and I are pretty much laid down on this tandem on the highway. No, no, (laughs) no. You were for a bit, buddy. I held on until about 50, and then I was like, oh, God, we're coming up on this minivan pretty quick. (laughs) And so I went all up into full parachute mode, unzipped my jacket to try and increase the wind resistance to get him to slow down. And it did basically nothing. And then Levin blows this minivan's (laughs) doors off. Because I don't have any brakes or anything on the back, so I'm just along for the ride. Sort of like the old ladies on the Harleys. (laughs) (laughs) Just blows this van's doors off going down this hill. Double yellow blind corner. Going like, well, I didn't know what that meant. I was only 12. And then he hollers back. He's like, buddy, we did it. We got to 68. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was like, just right after that, there was this spot that we were told to like stop and, and wait for everybody at this little waterfall area. And we were going 68 miles an hour. And we see this sign like 100 yards Ahead, Eleven just locks up both the brakes, <laughs> and on the V brakes, not much happened other than that they just started smoking. Oh, and ripped through about half the brake pads, peeled into that little deal, and then was like, "Oh, boy, we better get these cooled off before Reed sees this." <laughs> <laughs> The water, the water bottles onto the brake pads.
1: If you didn't catch that, they poured their water bottles onto their brake pads before Reed noticed they were smoking.
2: I always assumed that I was old because I've always felt old, but uh, I saw a picture of that, of us two on that tandem. And I am actually 12 and Tilden is 7. Oh, yeah. it was horrifying. Around it, those switchbacks. Oh, yeah. <sighs> and like, at, at some point during that, I was just embraced the fact that we were probably going to get smoked by a semi or something. So I was like, all right, well, I just got to do whatever I can to like help make us around the corner. So then I was like, oh, I guess I'll just lean as best as I can because I can't do anything on the back. But... In some way, I did trust him a bit. So I was like, nothing bad ever really happened. And Cord was the only one who ever wrecked oh me on the God, tandem. I knew this was come up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> when they weren't riding bikes together, Tilden and Levin fought. A lot. I mean, they're brothers. They're similar in a lot of ways. Big personalities, strong athletes, smart and fierce. And so their battles were frequent and pretty intense. But for some reason, biking became a zone of neutrality.
2: It was one of few things that we would do that wouldn't end up in some sort of brawl or yeah. fight of some sort. The trampoline was the, contentious. Yeah, the trampoline got a little bit out of hand. Croquet was also a nightmare. Oh, just a real <clears throat> fire starter. Ping pong got a little heated. Yeah. And then it turned to sting pong and then paddle throwing. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, but for whatever reason, biking never got as as heated and hasn't. Yeah, and it was one of those things like, that we would all just do as a family, like, the whole time. we did be out road biking, or Reed had come up with some idea that we had to do heat training that day, and it'd be 90 degrees, and we're out there for four hours as little children. So yeah, we it was definitely like a common bonding ground where we all suffered through or enjoyed it together.
1: So although we all pursued a lot of different outdoor activities growing up, like Nordic skiing, running, school sports, biking was something that always brought our family back together. And so as they got older, Tilden and Levin gravitated more and more towards mountain biking as a way to connect.
2: Levin's kicked it all off by mowing lawns and whatever all summer to buy that. The stump jumper that then got me on my first mountain bike ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and my best childhood friend, we decided that, uh, we were gonna buy mountain bikes, and it was just like all of a sudden both of us were all in on this. I worked like three, four jobs that summer, lied about my age to work at a dishwashing place on campus, and like bought this two thousand dollar bike when I was like fifteen or something, I think. And that just kickstarted it all. Then it was like all in on a mountain biking and. I rode that thing so much everywhere around town. I had no idea how to work on it. So I bought this actually wildly out of my price range vehicle and just destroyed it. I remember taking it to bike shops and they'd be like, Yeah, you can do, you should probably like work on this or this or like we can do this and it'll be like $80. And I was like, Well, I don't have $80. So I just keep riding it into the ground and rode that. just to its death for like eight years.
1: Tilden also got a bike and joined the middle school mountain bike team. He raced in Wyoming and Colorado and rode with Levin when he could. They rampaged around our local trails, built jumps at the dirt hills in Laramie, and shit-talked each other into trying harder and scarier feats. They got good fast. But as Levin neared the end of high school their five-year age difference became more pronounced. With all of us getting older, we stopped riding the Tour de Wyoming every summer, stopped taking family trips and long rides. We all kind of wanted to do our own thing. It was that time of life when family started to feel claustrophobic. You know how it goes. So when Levin got into Colby College in Maine for Nordic ski racing, he and Tilden began drifting apart.
2: At least for me, it was sort of like, I just f***ing left. Mm -hmm. And then I was gone. I had a whole different set of friends and people doing different things, like racing Nordic skis. and I was all the way across the country. And then I came back and was in Laramie for a bit. And we hung out then. But it was never like we were that close again, even after that.
1: With Levin and me on the East Coast for college... Tilden muscled his way through high school in Laramie and then moved to the western slope of Colorado to become a welder. He wanted to try new things and figure out who he was away from biking and skiing and everything else that defined the Czar's family dynamic.
2: I wasn't really into getting any sort of exercise. I just wanted to work and that was about it.
1: After his time in Maine, Levin moved to Bozeman
2: and we were basically the same distance away as Maine because it's so far, mm-hmm. and I did my own thing up there. And so it was sort of more like, well, at least for me, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm out of here. He's doing his own thing, he's got his own friends, and I've got my own friends. And I just was like, yeah, s- sort of absent. So, and then it just felt like I didn't really know him. And yeah, it was it was weird for sure.
1: After the break, the trip that brought the Czar's brothers back together. Stay with us.
0: Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbagdiaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbagdiaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out.
1: In 2016, Reed invited Tilden and Levin on a bike packing trip on the White Rim Trail in Moab with our Uncle Buzz, Reed's brother. It's a hundred-mile loop in canyonlands through expansive desert terrain with about 5,000 feet of vertical. Tilden and Levin had barely talked for six years. Levin had his whole scene up in Bozeman, and Tilden had essentially quit all outdoor pursuits and was welding fences in Hayden. Their close childhood friendship had all but faded away. So the bike trip idea came out of the blue.
2: Well, so, it was honestly neither of our ideas, because we didn't want to be together. We definitely weren't seeking each other out at all. Like, no. We'd call each other on the phone every now and again, and that was it. Yeah. And then, yeah, Reed wanted to go do the White Rim in Moab, which is the most god-awful trail and the world's greatest mountain bike place. Picks <laughs> a road to ride for 100 miles. Anyhow, so yeah, we were both like, well, what i to make that sound a little more glorious than <laughs> well, that. Well, I Come mean, on. it's beautiful, but as far as riding in Moab, that is just, a b- I mean, rough.
1: <laughs> but both of them said, what the heck, seems like a good adventure.
2: We were doing it as a bikepacking thing, so we, you know, you got your sleeping bags and whatever all bungee corded on your bike. and I was on like a six-inch Enduro bike that is not meant to pedal at all, was horrible at pedaling. And Tilden was on squirt and Betty, my old bike, that was had leaked oil out of every possible orifice and was on the verge of death the entire time. And we show up and our uncle just brings a huge like five-pound bag of spinach and like a pound and a half of almonds. And this man takes off out the start gates just with fire. He is hauling. We were like, "Well, okay, yeah." This first day is like it should be pretty easy. It's like thirty miles out of hundred or something. The second day is going to be the rough one because you got to climb all the way back out of the canyon. And Buzz ended up pretty much torching himself in that first eighteen miles. <laughs> so he he limped her into camp. Slept for the night, and then we start going that next day. And within the first mile out of 70, Buzz was done. The almonds had run their course, the spinach had gone bad. It was a rough time for him. And so, yeah, Tilton and I rode together for that. And then Reed was eventually just like, Well, I gotta stay back with uh, your uncle. So then, Tilton and I blasted. Just blasted out of there. Like, it was full pace just trying to get out of Canyonlands. Like, I don't think any of us had phones or anything. So, like, my girlfriend was sitting at the top at camp, like, waiting for us to get back on this completely botched white rim voyage. And I was like, well, I just got to get out of here. So, eventually, like, Tilden with zero training hung with me for, like, 30 miles of absolute sprinting, which the man just, it doesn't matter what shape his body's in, his head will force it into shape. (laughs) So he had not ridden a bike in years and somehow managed a full cross-country sprint pace with me for 30-odd miles. Like, it was mayhem. But uh, anyhow, yeah, got up there and then uh, sent Lauren down with... Tilden's truck to go pick up the wreckage on the rim <laughs> <And> <laughs> I stayed at camp so buddy you gotta take the rest of that one cause I don't really remember what happened well I don't really remember either <laughs> biblical bonk oh yeah so I got <laughs> I had really nailed in the diet <laughs> your years off of exercise? No, no,
1: no. For the ride. <coughs> <laughs> Chef Boyardee.
2: Yeah, so I'd packed myself a couple of cans of canned ravioli. <laughs> but what they don't tell you is that canned ravioli is a royal pain in the ass to try and eat when you don't have a fork or a spoon because you're trying to save weight. <laughs> Can... <laughs> and so anyway I hammered a couple of cans of ravioli into myself after I had bonked real bad and that brought me back for another couple miles but of the 70 I was probably only like 45 in and then I was sort of dipping in and out of being able to remember why or where I was going and so then I remembered that there's this great little plant in Moab called Mormon tea.
1: Mormon tea is a brushy plant that grows in Utah and is traditionally steeped in hot water to make a medicinal tea.
2: So I started eating that shit by the handful.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so the only food you brought on the entire trip was two cans of ravioli?
2: Oh, I think I had three cans of ravioli and then some like. Maybe, uh, I think I had some cookies, but I definitely demoed the cookies on the first day, so they were useless on the second. And so I ran out of food too, but anyway, yeah, so I started hammering the Mormon tea into myself in a desperate bid for just a little bit of that amphetamine that it's got in it. Because I was like, I knew I was cratering fast, but I was like, I will be goddamned if Buzz beats me out of this. Canyon. <laughs> so anyway I was completely devastated and then yeah Lauren came down in my truck and that was one of the most relieved moments of my entire life was when I seen little white lightning coming down the road and I knew it was that cause the headlights were very distinctive and I was like oh thank god I got a 5 gallon jug of peanut butter cookies in the back <laughs> And so I went and laid down on the floorboards in the truck, like crumpled into the floorboards and just hammered like two, three gallons of cookies into myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With Tilden collapsed in the back, Levin's girlfriend Lauren continued driving down the road until they found Reed and Buzz. They picked them up and drove them back to camp to reunite with Levin. After that fabled White Rim expedition ended, Tilden and Levin camped in Moab with some friends for the rest of the week. I'm going to ride
2: it out. Yeah, buddy. Like, that was, honest to God, the first time that I really even ever rode Moab, aside from the white rim that I'd done with Reed before. And so, like, we'd never really done riding like that in our lives. Mm-hmm. And it was both of us just click with Moab. I don't know what it is about it. Like, both of our styles, like, they're a little different on a bike both of them are just a hundred percent in moab there's huge rocks there's you sliding over things there's sand there's snakes and crypto and it's an outrageous landscape you're on cliff edges you're riding the most outrageous terrain that you can ride on a mountain bike and then like that sort of hollowed ground for us and our relationship like it all started in moab and it's just every chance that we can get we sort of go to moab and it's like Rekindling of the fire.
0: Work,
1: sir. Yeah, yeah. Nice job. After years of radio silence, Tilden and Levin were back on the same wavelength.
2: When we actually got back together, it was like, oh my God, this is, if he wasn't even my brother, like this would be the greatest friend that I ever had. That one Moab trip, it was just like, I'd trust Tilden to the end of the earth. Like, I know no matter what, he'd he'd be there and And it wasn't like I missed it during a time when we weren't together. But I would miss it extremely bad now. When I got back and rode with Levin, it was exactly what he just said. It was an amazing time. And it made me realize, like, oh my goodness, like, this dude's awesome. That was super fun. There's just something there that's not, I don't know, you can't, can't replicate that at all. And so then... After that, yeah, we put in a lot of time and effort into riding together as much as we could, even if we were pretty far apart.
1: They rode Teton Pass, Gooseberry, Moab, and found new places midway between Colorado and Montana to camp for a weekend. Eventually, Tilden moved up to Bozeman as well, where they lived together, worked together, and mountain biked every day. The adventures piled up, the inside jokes, the memories, the sends, and the epic crashes. If you can't tell from the tape, they even have their own accent of sorts, which is not from any geographic location or dialect. It's just Tilden and Levin being Tilden and Levin. They navigate life's ups and downs together with a kind of comic irreverence that makes it hard to take anything too seriously. Even though they're incredibly talented bikers, there are no fancy bike kits. All their gear is torn up and duct taped together. Levin normally sports a mullet and Tilden exclusively bikes in jean cutoffs. They drink gas station coffee. And the most common way they show affection is through a steady stream of insults. This past summer, Tilden quit his job in Bozeman and moved down to Golden to be with Levin. Now that they live on the same block, there's hardly a minute they don't spend together. The other night I gave them a call, and they were engrossed in the construction of a Lego tank on Levin's dining room table. They call each other on their drives home from work to complain about the Denver traffic. And if the sun is shining and they're not at work, you can bet your money they're out. Pedaling.
0: Oh, terrifying. Pretty chill
2: though, huh? No. We'll always be looking for different stuff that none of the other people that we're riding with will want to ride. And so if I'm riding with them, like most of the time I'm not like, oh yeah, I'll just ram jam and cram up this thing because I know no one else will but if I'm riding with Tilden I know no matter how ridiculous of a line it is if it ends in some cactus or whatever and it's just like some terrible little rock thing that is completely unnecessary both Tilden and I will be there trying it and so then you know we're off frigging around in the bushes and hopping over things and it ends up being a completely different ride than if I ride with really anyone else. I always blow all my energy on the <laughs> climb, too. Just right out the gate. I'm like, oh, you know what it would be really cool is if I go over this like completely unnecessary route on the other side. And we do that like quite a bit, and it's kind of competitive, but not really. Like, If Levin does it, then I'll do it. Or try it, anyway. And then if I do it, Levin will do it. And we kind of keep score in a joking way. We have this, like, (laughs) trials scoring that we do, but it's completely inaccurate. And you can get ones, threes, and fives in trials, and whether we make it or not, it's just a one or a zero. If you make it, you get a zero, and then if you don't, you get a one. And then we just yell that... Whoever got a one, and then we completely forget about the score. (laughs) And then arbitrarily make up a winner at the end. Yeah. (laughs) It's mostly by yelling. (laughs)
1: Oh, Heel
2: clickers! Heel clickers!
1: They make each other better riders. There's no question about it. There's something so unique about their deep trust, their shared history and that brotherly banter that makes that kind of improvement possible.
2: My friends have all been really good riders, but a lot of times I would end up, you know, maybe being slightly faster or doing slightly more technical things or something like that, or seeing lines that then they would be like, oh, no way. And Tilden is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. And, like, there's always been... A little bit of a gap, I think, between like what we can do and sometimes what our friends can do or are willing to do. And when it's both of us, then we're on the same page. It's pretty rare to have a time when we're not on the same page, though. Yeah, for sure, we're definitely pretty clued in with each other, and are willing to ride the same thing, willing to push. To the same kind of level nowadays, especially. Yeah. And that that's really fun, too, because then you can... It's always been that kind of, like, challenging each other a little bit, but yeah. it's in it's in good heart and both just trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And because I, I really believe the better you get, the more fun you can have. And so there's no limit to that. And so it's really fun to be able to do that with somebody who wants the exact same thing and I feel like Levin's got that and that is great because it, honestly as soon as you have that kind of positivity it, it makes so many more things possible where if you're with somebody riding with somebody who's like not into it you won't try it yeah and and we can yeah f- like feed off of each other's energy because he'll see different lines I'll see different lines and we'll both try each other's and then it just works out real well to be able to expand our skills together too.
1: Recently, Levin and Tilden started a shared Instagram account. It's called Czar's MTB. So after a lifetime of absolutely hating social media, they embarked on a bid For Instagram fame.
2: Well, So there are two different factors here. (laughs) (laughs) On one side, you have your hatred of the internet. Firm, still. Steadfast, in my belief. (laughs) And then on the other side, you have your hatred of going to work every day. (laughs) More steadfast. And that one's kind of (laughs) growing. I just... Decided, like, if we're going to bike a lot, which we do anyway, and then if there's a way that, like, one, that we can share it with people and get other people interested in biking because it's super fun and it's a great time, and then, two, literally anything that would help me to pay for bikes or anything, anything that we could do. We have very little strategy. So what we've gone ahead and done is watched absolutely zero tutorials on how to make videos and just did a crash course in it. Pretty much slapped all sorts of actual trash up on the internet. And with the full assumption, as soon as we posted it, that that one was gonna go viral. You can see my heartbeat pounding this GoPro out of the stress.
1: The Instagram videos, as silly as they are, have been a fun way for the rest of us to see the Tsars brothers in action. None of us can keep up with them, either on a bike or in banter, so essentially having a TV show of their antics keeps us in the loop. And for Levin and Tilden, sharing their sibling bond with the world has cemented their dedication to spending their lives together.
2: I feel like now that we're together again... Like, it'll be hard for me, like, if I was like, oh, yeah, I got to move out of town or something. If he couldn't go, that would be devastating for me. I'd do whatever I could to get him to go or stay here, stay with him, whatever. So, yeah, it's sort of a ride-or-die approach. (laughs) Like, I said, yeah, it'd be, yeah, terrible for me.
1: At the end of our interview, I asked them if they wanted to say anything to each other.
2: Well, Bud, I've been meaning to get something off my chest for a while now, and I guess this is the time. Really have not enjoyed riding with you, and most of this has been a goddamn farce. All your trail tips (laughs) have been absolutely horrible. (laughs) No, it's just, it's been great. It's revitalized... I love biking for sure, to be able to ride with you all the time. And I, yeah. it's incredible. I uh, have learned a ton. You're way more skilled on the slow speed trials hopping, and I'm just trying to catch up, which is weird for me to be on my heels on a bike. And you put me there pretty quickly, so <laughs> I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've been having a great time too. It's just super fun, and it's pretty special to have a friend and a brother that's this awesome that you can ride with all the time that lives two doors down. It's just a beautiful thing.
0: Thank you, Levin and Tilden, for sharing your story. The Zars brothers can now be found skidding along snowy trails. And since the White Room trip, Uncle Buzz has become a mountain biking sensation with multiple podium finishes in the last five years. Way to go, Uncle Buzz. Music today from Vesper Soft Softlight, Bradley Carter, John Barry, Brian Bombadil, and Brennan O'Connell. The tracks are courtesy of the artists or track club. Jacob Bain and Nice Cotto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, DirtBagDiaries.com. This episode was produced by Cordelia Zars, Becca Cahall, and Ashley Langholz. Illustration by Walker Cahall. Becca Cahall is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahall and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.